beginning in chapter, in chapter, I'm sorry, let me start over. (laughs) Chapter 24 in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in the word, indeed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter in his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Amen. Can we thank Debbie for reading that scripture? You can leave it right there. That's great. So good. It's a good passage, isn't it? You know what this means? We're we're one week away from Luke being over. Isn't that wild? Like one more week. Invite your friends. You're not going to want to miss it. Actually, Luke will still be around even if you miss next week. The Scripture is eternal, but it sounded exciting. <laughs> Pretty dramatic story, these two disciples, two followers of Jesus. It says their faces are downcast. You can't imagine them walking, trying to figure out everything going on. It says they didn't recognize Jesus, so they see him, but they don't see him, right? You know what I mean, right? They see him, but they don't see him, and so Jesus asked them, you know, what are you guys talking about? They say, to Jesus, again, not knowing he's Jesus, 
just fantastic passage. They, they say, are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what happened? We had hoped he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. We thought he was the guy. We hoped he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. If you remember, this was a while ago. This was like years ago. But remember Luke chapter 1, Zechariah? You're like, no. <laughs> Zechariah, right at the beginning. Remember he had a poem right at the beginning of Luke chapter 1. Again, we covered this about three years ago. And this is what he said. He said that the Messiah, this, this king, the one that was born, he was going to rescue us from the hands of our enemies. And these two individuals, Cleopas and the other, they thought this would happen. Now we know in 2021, that's exactly what did happen. Right? That's what Jesus did. Jesus Himself. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He says, He, Jesus, came and He gave His life as a ransom for many. Absolutely. He rescued God's people out of their enemy, the hands of their enemy. He just didn't do it in the way that the people, including these two individuals, thought He would. Right? So these two individuals walking on the road thinking Jesus has failed. Why, why do they think, they think Jesus has failed? Because Jesus is dead. Right? Jesus died. They, they saw Him die. Roman soldiers killed on the cross. But then they go on. They keep on talking about, well, and then we saw these women and it was, it's the third day now since you know, He was killed and we didn't see His body and, and there was these like glowing men, right? the two dazzling robes, angels, Said Jesus was alive. Some some of the men went to the tomb. Yeah, they were like, yeah, just like the women had told us. But then Jesus goes on, rebukes these individuals, says, "How foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken." Didn't the prophet? This is what Jesus says. He goes, "Didn't the prophets say that Messiah would suffer and enter his glory?" But even there, they still don't recognize him. They see him, but they don't see him. Right? They don't recognize it's Jesus, but. They're open to more conversation. Jesus is open to more conversation. They keep dialoguing. They want to talk more with a stranger. I love the part that says Jesus acts like he was going further. But they're like, no, no, stay with us. He's like, okay, I'll stay. So he agrees. He comes back. And and then they make it to the table. And and what a great drama or skit that would be. Because what a scene that is. They make it to the table. And now they've made it. It's near evening. It's getting late. But they gather at the table for a meal. And the Scripture tells us that Jesus gave thanks. He breaks the bread and He gives it to these individuals. And then finally, their eyes are opened. Their eyes are opened. They recognize Jesus. And then immediately, the Scripture tells us He's not there. Now it's still the same evening. They rush back to Jerusalem. They're kind of excited. It's getting pretty late. They find the 11 disciples. Scripture says it's the 11 disciples and others that are gathered there. So more than the 11. And they're all kind of uh, joining together. They see these two individuals come in and they start telling them about what happened. And like, man, we recognize Jesus when he broke the bread. It's an awesome story. I love studying it this week. It's fascinating because, again, here's these Jewish people walking on the road. By the way, Jewish people who no doubtedly knew scriptures. They uh, definitely knew the prophets. And yet, and I want you to hear this today, the culmination of all of that learning, all of that studying ended with them, I would say it this way, ended with them looking for the wrong Messiah. All that study, all that learning looking for the wrong Messiah. 
I think it's easy for us with hindsight to look at the Old Testament or look at the First Testament, look at those Scriptures and say, yeah, of course, we can see how those prophecies revealed a Messiah who had to die, who had to be raised to glory. Of course, in 2021, we can see Jesus all over the Old Testament, right? We can see Him as that Messiah that you read about in the Scriptures. But back then, not just for these two disciples, but for many people, Jesus and the way that Jesus brought His kingdom, establishing His rule and reign, the way of Jesus was not the way that they saw in ancient Scriptures. They saw a Messiah who's going to come in a completely opposite way. And so they don't understand. Four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see this not just in people. You see this like in His closest disciples again and again. They just do not understand Jesus' way of establishing His kingdom. His closest friends couldn't see it. People today still can't see it. Jesus and His kingdom is still confusing people. Some people, when I talk to them about Jesus, I can see it's kind of getting somewhere. Some people, when I talk to them about Jesus, man, I might as well be talking about a circus clown. They just have no idea what I'm talking about. You can see Jesus, but not see Jesus. But I love today's passage. It's so encouraging to me. These two people go from not being able to see Jesus, blind to the fact that He's Messiah, then to all of a sudden, immediately, they're able to see. But how? How, right? How did they come to see Him? How did they truly recognize Jesus? And that's what grabs my heart today. That's what grabbed my heart all week. In, in verse 30, look at this, church. It's when they see Jesus, what does He do? He takes the bread. He gives thanks. He breaks the bread. And He gives it to them. And that's when they see Isn't that good? You can say yes. That's all right. It is good. It actually is good. And even up to this point, Jesus is good to them. Right? The whole story. That's why the story is just amazing to me. The whole story. He's walking with them. Aren't you thankful that Jesus walks with them? He, He converses with them. He has a conversation with them. He spends time with them. Aren't you thankful for a God who wants to spend time with you? He He shares Scripture with them. He's revealing things. He's sharing a meal with them. Again, aren't you thankful for a God who He's okay with sitting with you? He's okay spending time with you? He's okay sharing with you? He's he's patient with you? That even when you were blind, praise the Lord. You ever think about that? Like, even when you were blind, He was patient for you, with you. Even when you were lost, He was willing to walk with you on your journey. Jesus is so good to us. But what moves my heart today is that it's only when they received His body broken for them. It's in that moment that they receive the bread that they truly recognize Jesus as Messiah and King. This phrase in verse 20 or in chapter 24, the phrase he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. It's the exact same phrase you're going to find two chapters earlier in Luke 22 in what we would say the Last Supper narrative, right? When he's with his disciples in the Last Supper. The exact same phrase. I'll read it to you. Luke twenty two nineteen, And he took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. But then what did he say right after that? He said, yeah, he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Exact same phrase. Believe me, that did not go unnoticed by me this week. 
Right? We find Jesus. We find His kingdom through His body broken for us. Amen. So this journey of these two people, and really I would say it's the journey of all of us. I was actually a part of a church plant in Laramie, Wyoming, and the name of our church was Emmaus. Because it is. It's the journey of all of us. That Emmaus road where our walk with Jesus. It's a journey that's full of God and His patience, full of God and His kindness. It's full of conversation, questions, dialogue. But then it's also these moments of instantaneous, immediate revelation where our eyes are open. Still to this day, a lot of my life, most days consists of that walk to Emmaus. Again, it's a conversation with God. He sits with me. He slowly unveils His nature, slowly unveils His character to me. How does He do that, by the way? He does that through His Word and He does that by His Spirit. Again, just a wonderful, beautiful, precious walk with God. But then, all of a sudden, in a moment of clarity, the truth of Jesus is revealed. Anyone else have that happen to you ever before in your life where your eyes are just open? It's, it's an uncovering. It's an apocalypse, right? It's a revelation where, whoa! In a whole new way, fresh, clean, exciting moment, the Lord opens your eyes. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about today? Amen. That's why we're here today, right? And we all need this, church. We all need this. I, I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Today, each of us, in our own way, we need a road to Emmaus encounter with Jesus where Jesus opens our eyes. We need a moment where Jesus... I'm not talking about your day of salvation. I'm talking about a moment with God where God opens your eyes, where your eyes are so opened, you're like, I cannot stay the same. What I have seen, I cannot unseen. I cannot stay the same. And this only happens when we receive Jesus' body broken for us and His blood shed for us. Our eyes can only truly be opened when we receive His life. Whereas He is alive, we are alive. Right? You and I can only live. We can only truly say, I once was blind, but now I see when we receive his body broken for us. And when you receive, watch out. Watch out. You ever just have your eyes open? It's like just walking down. Like, you're just dangerous for the kingdom. Like, watch out. Watch out. Whoever, watch out. Because I have my eyes open to Jesus. You know it's a different way of living. When you receive, watch out. It's a whole new way of living. In fact, when you're alive like that and you even see other Christians that are still walking around blind, you just feel bad for them, don't you? Because you know they're living for less than what God has for them. And what do you want for them? You want their eyes to be open. Man, that's the passion of a pastor, isn't it? To see people and see Christians actually living with joy on their faces. The quickness of the step with Jesus. That's what you want as a pastor. To see people, not just to kind of make it to heaven, but to thrive on earth in the name of Jesus. That eternal life begins the minute you say yes to Jesus on into eternity. Aren't you tired of grumpy Christians? I am. We got Jesus. Kill me now. I'm with the Lord. I'm not afraid. I'm a tired of afraid Christians. Oh, they might do this. They might do So what? The one who made heaven and earth 
is in you. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. That fear message that is actually rallying a lot of troops, forget it. Forget it. You can have it. You give me Jesus, his love, his grace, his compassion, his kindness, the way he serves, the way he lays down his life. You give me that one because he's the one that's coming back to rule and reign forever. You can have the world. I take Jesus. And we all need this church. Those moments where our eyes are open, where you realize you're living a part of his upside down kingdom, where, again, the last become first. But also the first become last, right? The least become the greatest, but the greatest become the least. The older becomes the younger. You're part of a movement where those in power, again, should be the greatest servants of all. Those with influence, you speak up for those that are being pushed down. Because why? I'm not blind anymore. I know Jesus, I got Jesus, and I got work to do. I'm a part of an upside-down kingdom, and I've got work. To do. That's what I love about receiving communion every month. Aren't you thankful for communion? Because anyone else forget? Forget all those things I just said. You ever wake up on a Monday morning and you act like none of it's true? Right? You, you forget. And that's what I love about receiving Jesus. Again, I'm not talking about your moment of conversion. I'm talking about right now, wherever you are, however long you've been a Christian, are you willing to receive Jesus into your life? That's what communion's all about. That we would receive Him. Because the world and the spirit of the world and the people of the world, it gets cloudy, doesn't it? The, the voices you hear, it makes it kind of fuzzy. It, it kind of clouds our vision. But when you receive Jesus, there's a clarity that comes. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I, that, that is not who I No, See, the, the, the Word of God speaks a better word over my life. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word of my, over my life. See, I can, I, I once was blind. Yeah, I once, and in fact, even some now at times, I want to live blind. But no, no, no. See, I once was blind. That's my old self. See that, but that was crucified with Christ. See, that was nailed on that tree. No. See, now I am alive in Christ. I am free. This is living. And I'm just, I'm awake. I, I don't know how else to say that. I'm awake in His kingdom. And it only happens, not by me muscling up some strength, not by me just having some positive thinking. It's only possible by the body of Christ broken for me, the blood of Christ shed for me, only as we receive His kingdom, His ways, His nature, His Spirit, only as we receive Jesus that we can truly live this way. I want to invite my wife up to take us a little further into all this, what it really means to live with our eyes open to Jesus' death and resurrection. You'll notice, I just want to say this real quick, you'll notice at the end of Luke and in the book of Acts, the disciples radically begin to change. Where they once acted confused, without understanding, with all these questions, not knowing what Jesus was doing. The disciples, after, they, after the resurrected Lord ascends to heaven and He sends the Holy Spirit and Pentecost falls, after that moment, these disciples, they're on mission. They are on mission. When, when the disciples receive the resurrected Christ into their lives, they begin to comprehend what He did on the cross and in that grave, and it changes everything. It changed their lives, church. It should change ours as well. So please welcome Pastor Mary to the stage. Amen. Man, that was... We could just have an altar call right now and move right on, but I did write some stuff, so I felt like we should probably read it. Um, no, I did... I, I love that phrase, upside-down kingdom, 
um, the first time that I heard it, I was like, upside down kingdom. And it kind of helps make sense out of a lot of things that don't make sense um, in the kingdom of God. And then, uh, the more I walk with Jesus in my life, and in particular this last year, um, has allowed, as I allowed him to push me and shape me and squish me back down <laughs> and then make something new, um, I've learned to love it even more um, because it challenges our thinking. Um, it makes us pause for a moment to consider, like, what does upside down in relationship to the kingdom of God actually mean? Um, I love this account of the interaction between Jesus and these followers on the road to Emmaus. Um, I love it for many reasons, but because um, there's a lot that you can pull out of that small text. But what we decided to hone in on today was the radical change that comes from them encountering a resurrected Savior by being in communion with him. And if we just backtrack just a little bit to the beginning of the passage, um, verse 15, it says that Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And I'll circle back up to that. For now, I just want to kind of highlight back 19 through 24. And Cleopas is telling Jesus about the events that just happened to Jesus. (laughs) And, I mean, how real is this guy, right? He's like, are you like the only person in the whole universe that doesn't know what just happened? And I kind of like him. But anyway, I want you to hear from these verses is verse 21. And it says, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And the phrase that stuck out to me was, we had hoped. Because you see, as Dan had mentioned before, the Jewish people had hoped that the Messiah would come to redeem them, not necessarily from their sins, but from foreign oppressors. Um, And they'd come up with a narrative that fit their desires and their felt needs and their wants. But Jesus, right? Oh, Jesus, he had something so much bigger planned for them, for all of us. But they were missing it. They were literally walking alongside of the Redeemer of their souls. And they were so focused on what didn't happen. And I feel like we still do that today. I found this statement, and it says, We all want freedom from oppression in order to pursue our own will without hindrance. We would all love to have our problems solved, but we don't want the problem of our sins solved quite so readily because for Christ to redeem us from sin, he must condemn our sin and set us on a path of righteousness that we do not naturally choose for ourselves. So today... We might be really good at walking with Jesus. We might be really good knowing the story of what he did. But when we look forward into what he's wanting to do, what he is doing right now, are we missing it? Are we missing out because it doesn't look like what we had pictured in our heads? Doesn't fit into our running narrative of how we think that it should go? When we pray, are we really praying, Lord, thy will be done? Or are we praying how it should be according to Mary? How quick are we to discredit something because it doesn't check the boxes of how Jesus is supposed to move according to us? But these two followers, there there was something so compelling to them about this man that they had been walking with that they practically begged him to stay with them. And he does. And they begin to share a meal together, 
And after Jesus breaks and gives thanks for the bread and gives it to them, it says their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They recognized him. Jesus was with them the whole time, and he didn't, they didn't realize it. And Dana talked about it before, but do you ever just have those moments of like, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. Like, he's right here. The second reason I love this story is that these followers were hanging out with Jesus for a good long walk. Um, I looked it up, so it was about seven miles. I don't know how fast a pace they were going, but it was long enough for Jesus to give them a sermon from Moses all the way up to where they were currently going. (laughs) And after all the discussion and process of emotion, we see them come to their stop and they invite Jesus to stay. This time, they invite him to come to sit, to eat, into a separate and more intimate space. And when they took the time to do this, again, Jesus revealed himself. Along with allowing Jesus to challenge our way of thinking about how he does his work, I think in this text we can see what I like to call the power of the still. When we stop trying to look for answers, stop trying to figure things out, and stop trying so desperately to hear what we want to hear and just sit with Jesus. When he has our full attention and we can just experience him, he's going to open our hearts and our minds to himself and to his way of thinking. For these two followers, their lives were changed through the act of communion, both in the sense of the word and the actions of Jesus. A definition of communion is intimate fellowship or rapport. It's a different kind of interaction. They shifted from walking side by side to sitting face to face. Jesus then entered communion with them as he shared the bread and ate with them, an act symbolizing the redemption they were so desperately seeking in all the wrong places. That his kingdom was now established by his death. And as Dan said before, a kingdom where anyone who wants to fully live must learn how to die to ourselves. And when we learn how to die to ourselves, we are able to live fully with Jesus in his resurrection power. That we are enabled to do more than we ever thought or imagined. That contrary to human belief, again, upside down, the more you put aside what you think is good and right and how it should work and your thoughts and your desires, the more you die to all those things, the more powerful you become in Jesus' name. As a follower of Jesus, that should be our utmost goal, and it should change us from our very insides. And I just wanted to share uh, my own personal story this morning with you guys about uh, expectations and allowing the Lord to move how he wanted to move and radically change my life. Um, I had been invited to go on a trip to Israel a couple of years ago, um, and went into that trip with saying I had no expectations, and yet I had a lot of expectations of what I thought was going to happen and how that trip was going to go and what the Lord had for me. And I went into it, and I was like, the Lord is going to just drop this bomb on me. I'm ready for the bomb drop. Like, Lord, just lay it on me. And 
day after day after day. I would get up early, watch the sunrise, and sit with the Lord and spend time with him. And it just was like he wasn't speaking. It was very unsettling. And it was really bothering me deeply. And the reason it was bothering me deeply is because it wasn't lining up with how I had anticipated and expected and thought that the Lord was going to meet me there. And so I kept pressing in, but that disappointment was real. And I think a lot of times when we have expectations or we think that the Lord's going to move in a certain way or we think that this is how it's supposed to go and it doesn't, that we really wrestle with disappointment. And so I kind of moved through that and four, five, six, seven days later, I remember sitting in a place and again just spending time and crying out to the Lord saying, why aren't you speaking? Have I done something wrong? Like what is happening? And I felt like the Lord very clearly the first time that he spoke so clearly to me on that trip, he said, I'm teaching you to be still. And it was so powerful to me because it was in the way that I wanted things to go and the way that I wanted things to happen. And the conversations I was having with the Lord um, were all self-driven. And I think the Lord was just asking for me to sit and to let go of everything that I had brought into that encounter and to be willing to put that down and not just walk side by side with him, but to be able to sit face to face and be like, I don't know what I was expecting, but I'm going to put that down. And I am open and ready to receive everything that you have for me. Whatever that looks like, Lord. Limits off. I just want you to come and do what you do. And he did. And he showed up in such a powerful and beautiful way that I would have never, I would have never said this is how it was going to go. And it just blew my expectations and everything that I thought out of the water. And I just know that that's what the Lord has for us. But sometimes, you guys, sometimes you have to let those expectations die. Sometimes you have to put down the things that you're carrying. You have to put down, like, like you said earlier, like sometimes you just have those stuck ways where you're like, if it doesn't look like X, Y, and Z, it's not Jesus. And Jesus was like, let me flip it upside down. Like, it is an upside-down kingdom, you guys. God does more than we ever could think or imagine. And he's calling us into deeper communion. And it's just that idea of the communion being the bread and the body, and it's a different way to be human, and it's so foreign to the world that we live in. By his death and his resurrection, we are now able to die to our flesh and walk with him. You know, if we can drop our expectations, and I would even add in the word limitations, we would experience what we say every week, and I've said it a couple times now, is to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine. Blows our limits up. It's immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine in our heads. And... It's according to his power, right? His power that is at work within us. His power 
was in his death and his resurrection. And because he died, we can then be buried in death to our sin and our sin nature and then raised to life with him. That's the whole point of the resurrection is that we have died with Christ, we are buried with him, and then we are raised to new life. In Philippians 3.10 it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And the song we sang at the beginning of our worship set says, So take the limits off, no matter what the cost. God, I'm running after your call. I'm running And so this morning, as we looked at the road to Emmaus and we looked at what Jesus wants to do in and through us by dying to self and by his death and by being resurrected and that we get to live in that resurrection power, just as we close this morning, if we can just put aside what we expect or what we think or that we even have set in our minds the ways God is supposed to move, the way Jesus works, If we can just set that aside this morning, put it all down, and just be like, God, would you just move? I don't want to miss it, Lord. Would you open my eyes? Would you open my heart like you did with those followers on the road to Emmaus, Lord? As I invite you in this morning to sit with me face to face, God, and I lay it all down, would you open my eyes, open my heart, Lord, and that I could truly see you. So we're going to receive communion. If you uh, want to pull out the this little cup from the top, little layer here, if you can kind of open it, there's a cracker in there. There's Bailey here. <laughs> a trick. I got a trick. That's the encouragement I needed, Sandy. Ta-da! I did it. (laughs) You know, we're so thankful, Mary and I are, for you, church. We love you. I'm so happy for Pastor Randy being in my life. He's such an example of what you were talking about. I was thinking about Lori Koval and what she does every day on that reading plan. I was thinking about Pastors Rich and Maggie Taylor and... Man, since they came, started coming to Life Springs, just something changed. Something was different. Mickey and Melanie and just all my friends that are here. And I love you and I'm thankful for you. But what I want to say to all my friends today, and I'm saying this to myself as well, is let's receive his body and his blood again. But in a way that just expects him to do what only he could do. Because again, I all, my, I'm speaking to myself. We, we just get stuck in those ruts to say, this is when God does this, or this is when Jesus does this. But instead, could we just instead say, you know what, God, I don't actually know what you're going to do. But whatever you're going to do, would you just do it? Because I know you're a good God, and you're with me and for me. And I'd much rather have you do something than me try to do something. So, God, I receive your body broken for me and your blood shed for me. Whatever that means for my life today, I say do it today. 
Because I want to live with my eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. And so let's receive that body broken for us. And, and Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus, would you give us a revelation today? Would you do something new in us today? Maybe there's a scripture you need to remind us of. Maybe there's a word that was spoken of our life that you need to remind us of. Or maybe it's a new dream or a new vision. But God, we just say right now that your son's body broken for us has given us a new way of living. It's more than a ritual. It's more than routine. We believe what you did is enough, more than enough. So we receive the body of Christ broken for us today. It's a new way of living in you, Jesus. Oh, that my life would be a song for you, Lord. I would dance through the darkness, carrying the light of Christ. Oh, that I would bear the light of Christ. It's a new song. It's a new dance. It's a new way of living. after they had taken the bread he then took the cup he said this is my blood given freely and shed for you and so Lord this morning again we just sit before you God face to face God there's so much freedom in your sacrifice Lord But God, let it be a freedom to move in ways that we never thought that we could before. Lord, let it be a freedom to follow you, follow you radically like we never thought that we could, Lord. A freedom to just do so much more. The limits that we had placed on everything, Lord, that they're just blown up, God. Lord, we take this cup this morning in remembrance of you, Lord and of your sacrifice, and of your gift. In Jesus' name.